Well, hello, Marine Covenant Church. For those of you who may not know, I am Danny Kilgore, and I serve as one of the pastors on staff here at church. You know, it is a pleasure to be before you this morning, and I want to welcome you again. So whether you are joining us, a part of our online community, or if you're on site with us, or if you're catching the replay, I want to say welcome and thank you. This is a truly a gift that you are with us this morning and you chose Marin Covenant to be the place where you experience God today. So as we prepare our hearts to hear what more God has in store, I want to invite you now to go ahead and grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. And we are going to read four scriptures. I'm going to have four primary texts this morning. So go ahead and grab your Bibles, whether it be paper Bibles or whether it's an electronic Bible. But also, I will let you know that we will be putting these scriptures on um, the screens for you as well. So those four scriptures that I'm going to be using today are John chapter 10, verse 27, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22, John chapter 15, verse 13, and Matthew chapter 26 and 39. These four scriptures will guide my sermon for today. Now, I'm going to be honest because I know you all say, gosh, she always gives so many scriptures. And I do. I do. I know. But it's because, gosh, I just believe that word that when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing from the word of God. You see, I want it to be that when I preach, I'm adding a few more spiritual bullets in your arsenal, (laughs) okay? So that when you leave out and the enemy tries to come and attack, oh, you know exactly what to pull out, what scripture to pull out. So y'all bear with me. I know it's going to be some scriptures that I give out today that may not be these four. It's going to be some more, but I believe that God is still going to use it. Amen. So again, those scriptures are John chapter 10, verse 27, Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22, John chapter 15, verse 13, and Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. And for those of you who are following along, I am using the NIV, the New International Version Translation. All right, so next Sunday, our church is going to take a deep dive into the life of Jesus using the book of John as our roadmap. And if you ever get a chance to read the Gospels, you should read all four. And you're going to find that the book of John is very different in comparison to the other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, you're going to get a greater um, account, and you're going to go into more detail in the coming weeks, but I just, I just have to share this one thing. I want to point out that, you know, when you read the book of John, it focuses more on the spiritual themes of Jesus rather than the historical accounts and events. In other words, it doesn't simply state facts about Jesus It shares the spiritual revelation you receive through following Jesus. How saying yes to one man can transform a person's life in an instant. 
Okay, so that's all I'm going to say. I want to steal the preacher's thunder for the following weeks. But I want to share this because one time a pastor shared this with me. He said that, you know, there are actually five Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and get this, your life. And he said, and to be honest with you, most folks will never read the first four. So with that in mind, instead of me giving you an introduction to the book of John, Jeff, Pastor Jeff, asked me to talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus and what following Jesus means to me. And so that's why I titled today's sermon, Consider This. You know, for me, following Jesus has been the best thing I've ever said yes to do. You know, John chapter 10, verse 27 reads, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I'm going to read it again. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You know, as I reflect, I've said yes to many things. I've listened to a many a voice in my life. I've chosen to follow a lot of people. But as I remember and reflect on the outcomes of those choices and decisions, many of them left me empty, still needing or searching for more. You know, I loved how Allison, one of the people who got baptized a few weeks ago, said, she said um, this during her baptism testimony. She said, it wasn't until I said yes to Jesus that my search for fulfillment ended. She said, I had finally found everything I was looking for, and I felt free. Man, family, her words resonated with me so much. There is a sense of freedom that comes from following Jesus. You see, for me, I no longer had to be enough. Christ affirmed in me that I was enough. You know, as a little girl in church, I used to sing songs all the time. It's no secret I like to sing, okay? But one of the songs that I sang when I first accepted Christ was called the shepherd song. And it was actually written after John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. The chorus, the lyrics of the chorus say this. You say that you are my sheep. Why aren't you following me? You say I am your shepherd. Why aren't you following me? When my sheep hear my voice, they come running to me. And you say that I am your shepherd, then why aren't you following me? You know, the senior pastor loved hearing me sing that song so much, so often that he would ask the choir and me to sing it anytime, impromptu. No, no, no prior knowledge. Just, hey, you, y'all, y'all, go sing that song. That happened a lot in the black church, okay? You guys, they give new meaning to it. Be ye ready in all seasons. 
You know, when I would sing that song, though, I would see my grandmother weeping. I would watch my aunt crying out to the Lord. I would watch the pastor of the church with his head down on his knees in awe of Jesus. You see, even though it was sung by a high-pitched, overly anxious seven-year-old little girl, that song had a message. If you say you are my sheep, then why aren't you following me? If you say I am your shepherd, then why aren't you following me? Because when my sheep hear my voice, they come running to me. And you say that I am your shepherd, then why aren't you following me? Family, when I listen to those lyrics now, they permeate my soul. You see, when you accept Christ, you're on fire for the Lord. You want to tell the world about this person that saved you from destruction. But then life happens. It's like life presses play and time speeds up. See, for me, the closer I got to God, the more questions about living this life in Christ I had. I questioned how to truly live this life of faith and love people where they are. So I went on a journey. I read books. I listened to experts. I attended conferences and retreats. I watched videos online. I listened to podcasts. I talked to friends. I tried everything. I wanted my life to fully and completely reflect the life of Christ. I searched high, I searched low, no matter what, no matter how far I searched, there was still something missing. There was so much that I didn't understand, but I desperately wanted to. So one day in prayer, it hit me. I said, hmm, what would Jesus do? I know, right? 90s cliche, <laughs> WWJD. <laughs> Okay, shout out to all the 90s kids in the house. Yes, or geriatric millennials like me. It's okay. <laughs> Y'all, it dawned on me though. I had been searching for how to follow Jesus, but it never indeed considered to me to consult Christ. See, in college, when I was running track, my track coach would always say, if you want to be great, you gotta do what great people do. You know, one thing that I want to be great at more than anything is at pleasing God. So I did what any person would do. I tried to do, I decided to do a case study on the one who walked this earth perfectly, the real goat, <laughs> greatest of all times, in case you don't know. Jesus Christ was the one I needed to consider. So in examining the way of Christ and how he lived on this earth, I discovered three things that I had not fully considered. I thought I did, but I hadn't. The first was being, I had to consider the heart of Christ. I considered the heart of Christ. 
Let's take a look at John chapter 15, verse 13. John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. I'm going to say it like how I memorized it. No greater love than a man has than this, and he would lay down his life for a friend. You know, when I first began working here as the outreach and missions pastor, I learned very quickly what our church valued. And now, above all things, above many things, serving and resourcing the unsheltered community was one of the things that were at the top of the list. And I remember one of the first service events I attended and led with our church was in San Francisco in a community called the Tenderloin. Now, for those of you who may not be familiar with the Tenderloin, this is a, a densely populated community that's characterized by high crime, extreme poverty, drug addiction, prostitution, and homelessness. Roughly about two-thirds of its residents are African-American, Latino, or Asian, many of them being immigrants. See, I remember I was leading a group of church members into this community to serve. And as I walked, I saw brokenness. I saw pain. I saw deep poverty. You know, as I continued to walk and observe the things around me, I found my heart growing bitter. I felt exasperated. I felt my heart getting angry and I wanted to leave. I couldn't understand why these emotions were overwhelming me and then I realized See, I was having these feelings because every face I passed as I walked along these streets looked less like those I was serving alongside of and more like me. See, the emotion that was overwhelming me was shame. I was ashamed and embarrassed. But I remember sitting at a table waiting for lunch and an African-American man who was unsheltered at the time came down and sat with me and he started a conversation. He, I, he shared that he was from San Francisco and I shared that I was from Dallas, Texas. And then he started talking about the rivalry between the 49ers and the Cowboys and he started listing off all these players and I pretended I knew who they were because they were clearly older than what I could remember. <laughs> and then someone else came and they sat down and then we started to talk about how he was from the South, and we started talking about soul food, and then someone else came, and we started talking about grandparents, and before we know it, our table was full of joy and conversation and laughter and fun. Y'all, I felt like I was at a family barbecue. <laughs> and that's when God said it to me. He said, because this is your family, because this is my family. He said, have fun with them, respect them, show them that they're seen and I haven't forgotten about them. He said, love them as you would love me, serve them, because when you serve them, you're serving me. See, I was reminded that Matthew chapter 25 and 40 says that 
Jesus will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you've done for the least of these brothers and sisters, you've done for me. See, it was in that moment I realized that I was so distracted by my shame that I hadn't even considered the heart of Christ. You see, the heart of Christ was in those times when he walked earth, he sat with people who were cast out by their community. Jesus ate with those who were outliers. They were margins of the society. See, I considered what Christ did in those moments. See, when Jesus was on earth, it broke his heart to see God's creation living so deeply in sin. It broke his heart to see how painful our lives were. We were destined for a life eternally separated from him. But instead of hiding in shame, Christ revealed his love in that he laid down his life for you and for me. Family, I'm not sure what your distraction is. Maybe it's a family member who's nothing like you. Perhaps it's your non-Christian coworkers. Maybe it's an authority figure in your life that rubs you the wrong way. Whatever your distraction is that's keeping you from fully following Christ, I invite you to consider the heart of Christ. I know as cliche as it may sound, ask yourself, what would Jesus do? You know, if we are to follow Jesus fully, we have to consider his heart. We must ignore the voice of the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy, and listen to the voice of the good shepherd and follow him. But I get it, following Jesus takes so much humility. It takes courage and it takes strength. But as I considered this life I was called to live, as you and I continue down this path of discovering just how Jesus lived, we must also consider what Christ did. We must consider the way of Christ. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22 reads, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 So often as I preach, I share stories about my family, about my parents, my grandparents, my daughter, my husband. I share a lot of stories about my husband. (laughs) But this is just because he's the closest person to me. And anyone else, I have to ask their permission. Then they want to filter my story. They want me, they want to take stuff out. Like, see, my husband, he gave me permission to use him in my, in my sermons when he said, I do, okay? <laughs> when he said, I do, 
he granted me permission indefinitely, okay? <laughs> so he gets to be in all my stories. <laughs> but family is a big part of my life. You know, growing up, my family was very vital to my development and faith. You know, when I spoke about my soon-to-be husband, I said, God, I want him to be family-oriented. And when I met Will, he was indeed family-oriented. I just didn't know how family-oriented he was. Y'all, his family is so big. It's so big. I didn't realize it at the time, but it took some getting used to. But now, sharing in his abnormally large family is probably one of the best gifts of my life. You may even hear me mention stories about my dad, things he's said or things he's done from time to time. But what you may not know and what you may not realize is when I mention my dad, I'm referring to my stepfather or sometimes a spiritual father I've had along the way. You see, I didn't grow up with my biological father. See, yeah, when my parents, uh, my parents separated when I was four, and after that, the relationship with my father became a point of tension. You know, though he tried, he could never truly provide the parental connection or stability a daughter needed from a father. You know, as I reflect on how the effects of not having him in my life manifested, I acknowledged the fact that I had unforgiveness in my heart. I had to acknowledge that there was unforgiveness that God had to remove. See, the number of broken promises, the pain, the struggles, the sacrifices my mother had to make to make sure I never skipped a beat. See, forgiveness in my mind was never something I even considered offering him. See, this because in my mind, forgiveness was something you had to deserve. You see, after you had suffered a while, after the agony and guilt and shame of what you put me through, was almost close to eating you up, then I might look down and offer you my forgiveness. See, it was a spiritual father, though, that helped me to see just how wrong that was and how completely opposite of the will of God that was for me. You see, he shared that me forgiving is less about the other person and more for me. He shared two scriptures with me. He shared Romans 5 and 8 that says, but God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Then he shared Matthew chapter 6, verse 15. He says, but if you do not forgive other people, then your Father in heaven will not forgive you of your offenses. Then he said, what if Christ is trying to use you to lead your father to him? I hadn't considered that. And sure enough, 
once I allowed Christ's access to that place in my heart, once I considered the way of Christ, I was eventually able to forgive my father. And the weight of all that hurt and pain began to slowly lift. Yeah, my spiritual father was right. I did get the opportunity to live, to lead my father to Christ. But unfortunately, though, my father and I are still not close. And there are times when I watch my husband and my daughter's relationship that all that hurt and pain and resentment starts to try to creep back up again. But that's why I believe that Jesus answered Peter the way he did. See, when Peter said, should I forgive them seven, up to seven times, and Christ said no 77 times, it wasn't because he was training up a bunch of pushovers. No, Jesus gave that number to show how much work it takes to continue to choose forgiveness. See, forgiveness is present, continuous. It's something we do and must continue to do. You see, in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Christ says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. You see, if I wanted to truly follow Jesus, I had to consider his way. Even on the cross, as he was being crucified by those who persecuted him, Christ cried out to God saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If Jesus, a man who walked this earth completely and perfectly, can ask for, can forgive those who persecuted him, Surely, surely, we can forgive those who have offended us. Because again, that's what we would want our Father in heaven to do for us. But let me reemphasize, following Jesus is not for the faint of heart. It's not for those who are looking for an easy way out. If you think that saying yes to Jesus is now going to give you a life that is perfect and full of, of roses and honey and flowers and parades and all the things that you think are good, mm, I'm sorry to have to pop that bubble today. Because Psalm 34, 19 says, the righteous person may have many troubles, but here's the good part. The Lord delivers them from them. Family, following Jesus is not easy, but I promise you this. It will be the best decision you ever make. It's like the saying, it's the best thing since sliced bread. Which I don't know sliced bread being the best thing. Is there not anything else better than sliced bread? <laughs> like what is it about sliced bread? It's the best thing since sliced bread. Well, I want to switch that and say it's the best thing since Jesus Christ. You see, for me, it has been, and it continues to be the best thing. So as I consider the heart of Christ, as I consider the way of Jesus, 
There's one more thing that I want us to consider. I want us to consider the posture of Christ. And see, as I reflect on how I was following Jesus in that season of my faith, I had to consider the posture of Christ. Because Matthew chapter 26, verse 39, makes it clear that for Jesus, he was going a little farther and he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. You know, I think back to the age of seven when I first said yes to Jesus. My posture was very different. You know, it was pure, it was innocent, it was full of joy, something like a little kid in the class that knows the answer and he wants the teacher to pick him. Pick me, pick me. But when I reflect about when I was at the age of 23 and I was taking an inventory of my life and reflecting on how far I had drifted from the will of God, Yeah, my posture then looked very different. It was a posture of me on my knees with tears streaming down my eyes, with a heart of desperation, a spirit of exhaustion, and a readiness of complete surrendering to him. You see, the posture of Christ, both spiritually and physically, is vulnerable It's bare. It's raw. It's the posture that Christ willingly chose for our sake. I want you now, if you can, to extend your arms like this as much as you can without hitting somebody in the face. But I want you to experience and pay attention to what you feel. As you extend your arms, Are your biceps tight? Ugh. Maybe you've been too tightly girded up. When you extend your arms, do you hear pops and aches in your joints? (laughs) Maybe, outside of age, maybe it's because you've been holding something too heavy. Do you feel a sensation in your chest? Do you feel... Something moving there. Maybe you've been too sunken in, hiding your heart too long. Go ahead and put your hands down. Family, if you feel anything less than freedom when you extend your arms, perhaps it's time to consider laying down your will and picking up the will of God. Because Christ said, Come to me, all who are weary, for I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, that's the posture of Christ. Complete surrenderance to the will of God. Now I want to invite the band back up. And as they are coming back on the stage to lead us in another song of worship, I want to ask you this question today. Have you considered Jesus? 
know, out of all the things you've tried to use to help you find peace, to help you stay sane, have you considered Jesus? All the books you keep reading to gain wisdom on your situation, have you considered Jesus? That resentment that is tucked away in the back of your heart, that unforgiveness you try to ignore, that willfulness you hide, have you, family, considered Jesus? You see, at the age of 23, I asked myself that question and If I'm honest, my answer was no, not in a long time. Family, Jesus knows that following him is indisputably challenging. But if we consider this, if we proclaim that we are his sheep and he is our shepherd, he will not lead us astray. If we consider his heart, if we consider his way, if we consider his posture, all we need to do is listen for his voice and follow him. I want to invite you to stand right now. And I want to invite you to posture yourself as we worship Jesus in response to the word of God.